Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week we are going to look at scriptures from the week of 5 Easter, the fifth Sunday of Easter. Remember we begin our scriptures on Sunday and we end on Saturday, as you can see on the post. And you'll notice that we don't have any uh, Old Testament scriptures listed this week. We will return to that for the sixth Sunday of Easter. But we have the Apocrypha, which we do not regard as canon. And so I do not comment on those. And we'll be talking about Colossians and Romans and Luke this week, as you can see. And last week, uh, we had the wisdom literature. And so we spoke about uh, Colossians 1, 2, and 3. Spent a lot of time on Colossians 1, 2, and 3. Three fantastic chapters. And then the book of Luke, the gospel readings from Luke. So you may want to read the Apocrypha. It would be called Wisdom. I believe it's entitled The Wisdom of Solomon. But it is not regarded as part of the canon of the Old Testament. The canon of the Old Testament is 39 books. The canon of the New Testament is 27 books. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, it is assumed in this relationship with wives, wives, husbands, and children that they are in the Lord. The relationship is in the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. And then we have something about slaves. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Devote yourselves to prayer, chapter 4, and be watchful, be thankful. That's great advice for us, isn't it? Devote yourselves to prayer, verse 2 of chapter 4. Verse 2 of chapter 4. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, verse 5. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Boy, that would be great if that were to happen, right? Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. And then Paul has some closing greetings for the people of Colossae. He talks about Luke, the doctor, the one that wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. And he says in verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So we had some closing remarks, final greetings as they're called in my Bible. In chapter 4, some final thoughts in the first part of chapter 4, which I read to you. And again, uh, the book of uh, Colossians is a book that Paul wrote while in prison and is sharing with the people Colossae. His concern in the second half of chapter 2, as I said last week, about some people that had uh, made an impression upon them in terms of things that were not necessarily true, or things that they needed to focus on that they shouldn't. We see this problem in Galatians. So I hope you enjoy chapter 3, end of chapter 3, and chapter 4 of Colossians. 
Now we have listed some scriptures from the book of Romans. So we start with 12, 1 to 21 on Tuesday, 12, 1 to 21. Now this is a perfect example of doctrine that is now meted out into action. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's one of the great tenets of Christianity, is that your mind is renewed and transformed. Then, if that happens, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And that's what you want to know in your life. You want to know what the will of God is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that you can do his will and bear fruit. You can bear fruit in your actions. Your actions are the right actions. They are good actions. They are actions that will bless you and bless others. By the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you, verse 3, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment and in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Think of yourself soberly. Don't make a big deal out of yourself. Great truth for all of us. Okay, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Move away from the evil, embrace the good. And so we have this beautiful litany of verses through verse 21, which says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So many things that all of us can be faithful in thinking about and then praying about putting these things into action. For example, let me list a few. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We talked about that last week in those readings from Luke that were very similar to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Do not be conceited. Verse 17, don't repay anyone evil for evil. There's no, no reason to get back at people, folks. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Do not take revenge, verse 19. Let God avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Love your enemies. Feed them. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. If you do this, you'll keep burning coals upon his head. Do things that bring glory to God and are in accordance with God's will and word. The, re the way that we know that what we're doing is the right thing is by reading the scriptures and being faithful in putting them into practice. Again, this is why the daily lectionary readings from week to week are so important and I enjoy sharing these with you and reading them myself. I need these daily reminders. I need these daily reminders. Chapter 13, the first section is about submission to authority. And then he says in verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. That would be great if we could all do that well. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Verse 12 let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Remember I said Colossians 3, 5 last time. Put to death whatever is in your earthly nature. Mortif mortify, kill those things in you that are sinful. Now he says, put aside the deeds of darkness. Put on the armor of light. 
Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Verse 14, great verse. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. You put on Christ and that will protect you. And that will keep you and me from doing what our flesh wants to do. It is the only antidote to the flesh, ultimately, because the flesh is very powerful. It's inside, it's part of who we are, that sinful nature that we all have. Christ, wearing Christ in your life, significantly helps that process. Scriptures in chapter 14 and 15 of Romans, verse 8 of 14, If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Live to the Lord, folks. Die to the Lord. You belong to the Lord eternally. Now, and just continue that process in living for God. Chapter 12 of Romans, as I said, gives us a great listing of things that we can do to honor the Lord. We will all stand before God's judgment seat in chapter 14, verse 10. And in verse 12... Each of us will give an account of himself to God. Verse 17, the kingdom of God of, of chapter 14 is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is about. Anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. So you want to please God? You want to do the right thing? You want to act in the right way, then righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is the key. To be in the Holy Spirit, I'm thinking of John 14 and 16, being led by the Spirit of God, Romans chapter 8, Galatians chapter 5, being led by the Spirit of God, being in the Spirit of God, letting the Spirit of God guide you, very, very, very important. Let us Make every effort, in verse 19, to do that which leads to peace and a mutual edification. That's very good. Um, he says, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Don't let something like that mess things up. Eating meat, dietary rules. You know how we come up with ways of doing things, of ways of thinking that are really not very important that can lead to dissension and separation. Don't allow that to happen in the kingdom of God. Chapter 15. Again, as you approach these scriptures, 12, 13, 14, and 15, throughout the week, through the week, when they come up, you're praying, you're meditating, you're thinking, you're reflecting, you're observing, you're repenting, you're asking God for forgiveness. You are seeing where you and I fall short and things that you and I need to do to do the things that God is asking us to do. 15, 1 to 13. Each of us should please his neighbor for his own good to build him up. Wouldn't that be another great idea? Instead of hurting our neighbor, to build our neighbor up. Chapter 15, verse 2. Number 5, verse 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. A beautiful idea of unity, 
encouragement, uh, being of one heart, being of one mouth, glorifying God together, a wonderful way to be part of the community of faith. Okay, verse 13 of chapter 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. Love the idea of having hope. I pray for each one of you that you may have uh, a heart full of joy and a heart full of hope. That you would have a heart full of peace so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, 13, 14, 15, Colossians 1, 2, 3, 4, excellent scriptures to be read. Okay, now that we've looked at the scriptures from the New Testament, let's continue in the New Testament, but look at the gospel readings. All right, we are now in Luke 736. 736. As I said last time, Jesus is ministering. He is healing. He is preaching. He is teaching. He is casting out devils. He is proclaiming the kingdom of God. He is warning people. He's encouraging people. He is blessing people. And we are in a journey on a journey with him. 7, 36 to 50. Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman. So, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to dinner. So he went and reclined at the table. And this woman, who had lived a sinful life, heard that Jesus was eating at the table. And she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and she wet her, his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. That must have been a sight. The Pharisee said, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And he, he wouldn't allow this to happen. So Jesus said, Simon, verse 40, I have something to tell you. Yes, teacher. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay back, so he canceled the debt of both. Which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly. Then he turned to the woman and said, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. She's poured perfume on my feet. You, get, you see where he's going with this? Her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has begin, been forgiven little, little loves little. Very profound teaching right there. She has a notorious past, I'm sure. Her loving Christ was highly significant and very much on display. The Pharisee, in contrast, did very little for Jesus. And his loving was significantly less. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Your faith is saved, you go in peace. What an extraordinary teaching right there. Extraordinary teaching. We look at chapter 8 of uh, Luke, and we see the parable of the sower, and we see the four soils. You've heard this text many times in your life, I'm sure. 
this farmer goes out to sow the seed, and it falls on four different soils. And in all four soils, I'll let you read through this from 1 to 15, three of them do not produce a crop. One of them produces a crop, the one that falls on good soil. Verse 15, what's the conclusion? The seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. That's my prayer today that as you are listening or watching this program, you will hear the word and produce a crop. That the cares of this world and the cares of this life and our Satan or the shallowness of your walk with God will not affect you. But the seed that's sown the word of God will bring great fruit into your life and that by persevering, you will produce a crop. That is my prayer for every single person that listens to this program. That the word of God would, in fact, touch our hearts and souls and minds, as we saw in Romans last, um, this today, we saw in Romans the renewal of our mind, and we see the power of the word to change us. Back to Romans chapter 12. He begins and continues to teach in chapter 11. No one who lights a lamp and puts it in a jar or puts it under a bed. He puts it on a stand so that those can see the light. There's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, verse 17, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out in the open. Okay? Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Be blessed what you have. Use what you have wisely. Use what you have to the glory of God. Jesus' mother and brothers, I love this. Now Jesus, this is verse 19 of chapter 8. His mothers and brothers come to see him. They were not able to get near him because of the crowd. He had lots of large crowds that followed him. Someone told him, hey, your mother and your brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. Jesus replies, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. And that's what I keep talking to us about. Hearing the word of God, parable of the sower, chapter 8 of Luke. Hearing the word of God, let it take root in your soul. Let it renew your mind and touch your mind. Be transformed by it and put it into practice. Second part of Romans chapter 12, chapter 13 of Romans. Put it into practice and watch it bear fruit. Beautiful line. Jesus calms the storm. He, ca he commands the winds and the water and they obey him. Verse 25. Tremendous power. He's sleeping. He's sleeping. He's going to drown. He stands up. Where is your faith? He, he, he challenges it. Where's your faith? We're fine. We're not going to drown. I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm not worried about this. And then we had the dramatic healing of the demon-possessed man to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee in Gentile territory. An extraordinarily powerful person nobody could tame, full of demons, tremendous power. Jesus asked, what is your name? Verse 30. Legion, because many demons had gone into him. 
and they begged him repeatedly not to throw him into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. The pigs rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Instead of the people being rejoicing and responding positively to the miracle that just happened, they asked him to leave. They asked Jesus to leave. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. So Jesus sent the man who had been miraculously delivered from demons to go and share his message, the message of salvation, with them. The people had lost their pigs. And they were not all excited about losing those pigs. They were more excited and felt more um, in touch with the pigs and their livelihoods than what God had done in Christ through the healing of this man and the expulsion of all those demons. A dead girl and a sick woman. Chapter 8, 40 to 46. Another person that's been raised from the dead and another healing from Jesus. A tremendous, another tremendous example, right on the heels of the healing, healing and then the calming of the storm. Another tremendous example of Jesus' power in ministry. Enjoy that reading. And then we have chapter 9. Jesus sends out the 12. He gives them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases just as he had done. Chapter 9, verse 1. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So what's going to happen is Jesus eventually is going to die, be raised from the dead, stay 40 days, and ascend into heaven, Acts chapter 1. And then they're going to have to do ministry. So Jesus is teaching them. He is discipling them and is sending them out and empowering them and helping them. Because when they come back, they're going to have a conversation about it. And helping them do the ministry. And they're going to learn how to do it so that when he ascends into heaven, then they will be doing ministry. So he sends them out from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing. So they are doing very much similarly what he had been doing. Preaching, teaching, casting out devils, healing the sick. And that's what he does, and that's what they do. Jesus feeds the 5,000 from 10 to 17. He speaks to them in verse 11 about the kingdom of God and healed all who needed healing. There it is. He speaks to them about the kingdom of God and heals people. And he's a fantastic person. He's doing this fantastic work. He's blessing people's lives. Why would anybody want to kill this man? He's speaking about the kingdom of God. He's healing those who needed healing. He's raising people from the dead. He is raising people from the dead. He is providing for their sustenance, the feeding of the 5,000, and that's just the men. He takes the five loaves and the two fish in verse 16. 
He gives thanks. He breaks them. He distributed to the people. They ate. Everybody ate and was satisfied. Probably 15,000 plus people. And they picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. Five loaves, two fish. I don't know anybody can do that. Jesus provides for our needs. He heals. He casts out devils. He cons he's concerned about us. He's concerned about our bodies. He's concerned about our souls. He's concerned about our souls, so he teaches. He's concerned about our souls. He wants us to have the right teaching. He wants us to put our faith in him. He takes care of us physically. He even feeds us physically. He does miracles to show that we, are, we, are, we can trust him. We can love him. We can put our trust and our faith in him. Enjoy Colossians, Romans, and Luke this week, the week of 5 Easter. And next week we'll get together and share the sixth Sunday of Easter. God bless you. Enjoy your reading. Enjoy this resurrection time as we rejoice in our Savior's resurrection from the dead and the life that he gives us every day. God bless you.